Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here today with a very informative, insightful, educational, and helpful episode with Steve Lowell. If you don't know who Steve is, Steve is a past national president of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, CAPS, I believe they call it. And he's going to help us out today with uh, identifying ways we can sell from the stage if we're a speaker without selling from the stage. Uh, If you're a comedian, there's a lot to learn in here, too. We're talking today about um, how you can kind of convince your audience to take steps towards a new direction for comedians. That's to, to buy our concepts on stage, if you will, to go with us on the ride in comedy. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but he's got a great ton of information. It's just crazy. He's he's written two Amazon bestsellers. One is Deep Thought Strategy, which helps speakers and uh, entrepreneurs get deeper into the why of what they do. And he's also got a book called From Stage Fright to Spotlight. Kind of wish I would have thought of that title and grabbed it, but it's got 99 tips plus 10 bonus tips for speakers and people taking the stage early in their career to get better. He also gives us a couple of pro tips at the end for people who've done it for a while but might want to take their level up a notch. So all kinds of great stuff. He'll mention early and at the end of the episode a special event that he's putting on virtually on Thursday, April 16th. So if you're listening to this on the day of release or the next day, uh, you can jump in. It's, it's a big ticket event virtually, but because you're friends of School of Laughs and if you've never attended a WEN Wealthy Entrepreneurs Network event before, you can attend as his guest. So how about that? And I'm not going to go too deep in de- into detail about it because he'll cover it, but um, one of the speakers is Brian Tracy. And if you don't know who Brian Tracy is, you've never ate a frog. I'll just leave it at that. You'll learn more as we get into it. But Steve Lowell is our guest today. I do want to say a quick thank you to our podcast uh, Patreon supporter from Club 52. We've got John P. Smith Jr. John, thanks for supporting the podcast here the last quarter or so. And uh, man, look forward to learning more about you and what you do. But thank you for supporting the podcast with your Patreon support. Let's get into it right now with Steve Lowell. I'll talk to you more on the backside about some other exciting things coming up down the pike. Here we go. Well, I'm on the call today with Steve Lowell. How's it going, friend? It's going great, Rick. How are you doing? Doing pretty well down here in uh, slightly rainy Nashville, Tennessee, but hey, we're inside anyway, so (laughs) what's the difference? Yeah, it's pouring rain up here too, but you know, something is better than snow. As you know, I'm up in Ottawa, Canada, the great white north, and uh, we're just getting into spring here now. And so, um, you know, we, we don't mind seeing the rain too much, but we get a little disturbed when we see snow this time of year, which happens sometimes. Well, let me ask you this uh, before we kind of get into the very specific stuff. How has the uh, current situation with travel restrictions and no large crowds, how's that affected you? And uh, what kind of things are you doing to kind of make adjustments? 
Sure. Well, it's affected us dramatically because we earn our living doing live large events all over the world. So travel and events, that's how, <laughs> that's what we do. So that's been seriously curtailed, as you know. Um, but uh, fortunately, we've got a fairly strong online following and we were sort of in the process of transitioning to online events and more virtual type, type things in addition to the live events. So what we've done is we've ramped that up. And uh, in fact, we have a, uh, um, a large virtual event happening this Thursday um, that I'd actually like to invite your listeners to as, as my guest if, uh, if it works. Um, and, um, and so this will be our first major live virtual event, um, but we're spending a lot of effort and a lot of time making that adjustment. Gotcha. And that's an, uh, an event uh, kind of directed towards entrepreneurs, is that correct? Yeah, entrepreneurs, speakers, trainers, coaches, authors, experts, uh, you know, that whole field. Gotcha. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and give us a little bit of background on that event, because I can move this podcast up to where it comes out just before. So maybe oh, sure. Yeah, that you. would be great. Okay, sure. So my wife and I formed a community some months ago called the Wealthy Entrepreneurs Network. Um, and because we have an audience around the world, uh, we call it WEN Global. And so we were holding live Wayne Global events every month, and we were, you know, just starting to expand that event into our international audiences in New Zealand and the UK and Singapore and so forth. But of course, then all of this came down. So this event that we're holding on uh, on this coming Thursday, April the 16th, a virtual event, and it's called the Wen Global Virtual uh, Experience. And one of our featured speakers is the legendary Brian Tracy uh, will be joining us. Uh, and um, now this event is typically for Wen Global members only. But because this is our first virtual event, uh, we are opening it up to guests by invitation only. Uh, and so what we do is we allow guests to come to one WEN Global meeting uh, as a non-member, and then they need to become a member. And so I'd like to invite your audience as, as my guest. And the way they get there is they just go to a website called www.thelowells.global. And uh, the lowells.global, and you'll see that there's a button there to, um, uh, to if you're invited by a Wang Global member. And so what you could do is click that button, fill out the form, and use me as the person who invited you, Steve Lowell. And we will be happy to welcome you to our first virtual event. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time and goes right through until 4 p.m. We have speaker after speaker. We have amazing content. Um, everything from how to be productive during this, this uh, COVID time to how to make more money, how to get on TV. Uh, Brian Tracy will be spending an hour with us live streaming from his home, how to invest in real estate, and some of the things you and I are going to be talking about today. So we'd love to have you guys join us. Great. Well, I'll definitely move this up to come out on the 15th. That's our next release date. So I'll put it in there. And the people who listen early are going to be rewarded with an invitation to come and join you online. It's cool. Cool. It's Thank great. You. Good timing. Um, and you mentioned Brian Tracy. I'll go ahead and, and ask you a few questions about him because many years ago, somebody mentioned one of his phrases to me and then I started learning more about it but he's well known for his book you know, eat the frog and the frog being the, the hardest thing you know people get up and they put it off all day long and the next day it's still there and it just becomes one of this one of these things that just haunts us but he's like hey get up and knock that sucker out early and you the rest of your day is you're more free to do things right so yeah tell me about uh, the first time you came across him or his methods and then how you get to know him well enough to be part of this event with him yeah, well, you know, I mean, Brian Tracy's a legend. I've known of him uh, all of my career, as most of us uh, do. 
And um, so the way I got connected with Brian was actually through Jack Canfield. So this uh, past October, uh, I spoke at an event along with Jack. Uh, and, uh, and Jack and I and my wife, we all became, uh, became friends. And then through some of the connections in that experience, we got connected to, uh, to Brian. And uh, Jane and I, my wife Jane and I, we went down and visited with Brian and his wife Barbara at their home back in January. We also had another connection. I'm the former um, uh, national president of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. And one of our speaker colleagues, who is a longtime professional speaker, is best friends with Brian. So I got the connection to Brian through the whole Jack Canfield thing. And then I got the connection to Brian through my colleague at the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. So my wife Jane and I went down and spent a day with Brian and his wife at his home. And we just, we just became really good friends. So we invited him to come up to Ottawa for an event that we were holding uh, in a few weeks ago. It was supposed to be on April 2nd and 3rd. And it was called the Entrepreneur's Wealth Summit. Uh, but of course, all of this happened and he wasn't able to attend. So when he heard that we were doing our virtual event uh, on this coming Thursday, he, he gave me a call and he said, hey, Steve, you know, if you want me to be on there, I would love to be on there. And we just said, well, that's that's fantastic. So we put him on the agenda and he's our headliner. And we've been, we, we're com in communication all the time. We're good friends with him and his wife. We're good friends with his son, Michael. Uh, and we'll be bringing Brian uh, and his son, Michael, live to Ottawa as soon as this whole thing blows over and we get back in on to the live stage we'll be bringing him up live that's great yeah he's a great speaker very concise and everything i've learned from him you know distantly over the years picking up his books and scanning through things he's just he's right on target so if anybody's listening and they're like should i attend this thing on thursday brian tracy alone you know the first five minutes that he speaks is going to be worth your time for the entire day you know such a good good guide to it seems like that's cool. And you speak on a, a variety of topics for you know, a variety of organizations. But I thought for my listeners who are primarily comedians, speakers and independent creatives, you know, you have a, a topic that you know really well and you deliver about pitching from the stage without sounding like you're pitching for the stage. And, and that means, you know, looking for more work or finding different ways to sell back of the room items. So I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about first what speakers do wrong and then the, the first time you noticed a way, a method for you on stage that suddenly opened the door a little bit and just kind of walk us through the things we can do. Sure. So I spent a lot of years trying to figure that magic out um, and made a lot of mistakes. I'm, I'm talking like 25 years or 30 years trying to figure that out. And, and I found some things that worked and some things that didn't work. And, and my biggest issue has always been, I don't like the pitch. Like I don't like the hard sell stuff, right? The, um, you know, the whole thing where there's the offer and then there's the bonus and there's the other bonus and it's worth a million dollars, but today we'll give it to you for a hundred dollars. And you know, like all of that, it just, it, I don't like receiving that. I don't like delivering that I can do it and I have done it, but I don't like it. So I kept thinking there's gotta be a better way. It's gotta be an easier way. And, uh, because you know, as speakers, when we want to monetize our expertise from the platform, um, you know, that's a big part of our business. And so, so about five years ago, um, when my wife Jane and I were a new couple, we've only been together for uh, five or six years. We've only been married less than two. But when, when we joined our businesses together, uh, she really helped me with my belief systems and my mindset. And that's what she does. She's known around the world as the seven-figure mindset mentor. So she helped me with my belief systems and mindset. And, and I, I found a couple of things. Number one, 
there was a lot of belief systems that were holding me back that I never even knew existed. That's an entirely other conversation. It's a massive conversation. But the other thing I found was as a speaker on the platform, functionally, I was making some very serious assumptions and mistakes that I didn't know I was making. And here are a few of them. One of them was I was confusing volume for value. Now, what I mean by that is, no, I'm not talking when I say volume, I don't mean the loudness of my voice. What I mean is the amount of content I would deliver. So in my mind, I'm thinking, if I give them a lot of stuff, if I deliver really great value, then they're going to love what I'm doing and they're going to want more and they're going to buy my stuff. But that was a totally backwards assumption. And what I found is there's a tipping point between volume and value, which means when I was giving them a lot of content, they would reach a certain point where up until that point, it was value. But then after that point, the value started to diminish because their capacity to absorb um, was weakening. And some of them would say, I got everything I need now. So they would leave the gig and not think they, they needed me after that. So uh, one of the most important lessons at the beginning was to learn how not to give so much volume. And then the other thing that I found was in the offer, because I've heard, you know, all of the things about the irresistible offer and the stacked offer and all the different ways to create an offer from the platform. But I just wasn't, I didn't like it. And, and I've watched speakers do it. And, and I mean, there's no doubt that the ones who do it well can be extremely successful. But my concern was always I watched the speakers do it and I watched them get their table rushes where everybody gets up and runs to the back of the table and I watch all that um, and, and I just felt ugly with it. And then a lot of people that I spoke to would say, yeah, that, you know, it feels ugly to me and that's kind of what a lot of people felt. But I was, had this dichotomy in my mind because on the other hand, you can't, you can't, um, you know, you can't doubt the success they were having. I mean, people were buying their stuff like crazy. So after doing a lot of studying and watching a lot of people, um, I found a method that, I, that, that I've seen some people do, and I thought, maybe I could do that. Uh, and I call it the secular altar call. And there's a whole science behind that. Have you, your head's nodding. Have you seen that? Seen us well, do that? I'm familiar with altar calls, but I'm, I'm yeah. very curious about the secular altar okay, call. Okay, so it's, it's kind of very simple. It's sort of like this. You know, you, you have to get to it. Uh, properly for it to work. But basically, here's the result of it is you get people who um, are, there's certain questions you can ask a very specific way where that gets them to acknowledge, I'm interested in learning more. And then we get them up, we actually bring them onto the stage. And then we tell everybody else, listen, we're going to take a break. And then we take the people that are with us on the stage. That's the altar call. They come up to the stage. And then we take them off into another room. Uh, and then we just answer their questions. Questions. And we're, we're converting, you know, 35, 40% uh, of the potential buyers in the room on a regular basis um, with $5,000 and $10,000 items. So that was magical for us. And, um, you know, we, we've done very, very well with that, that procedure. Now, it's still very tactical. It has to be done very a specific way. Um, but there's no ickiness to it. There's no, you know, today only. I mean, you can do all that when you're in the closing room. You can do that. But we don't have to anymore. We, the people that are in the room are already interested in hearing what we're doing. We tell them what we've got. We answer their questions. And that's that. And it's very painless. Um, and, uh, and it works. It works very well. And so it took me, you know, some months 
to, to get used to that approach and to become good at that approach. Um, but it's been proven for us uh, many, many, many times over. That's great. There's a lot of stuff in there that I'd like to unpack if I can, you know, go back to a couple specific points. One is I think I'm very early on and still am to a degree am struggling with the volume over value. I've, you know, when people ask me to speak, I feel like I got to give them 10 different examples of how this can apply. And I'm just, I'm trying to really fill it up. I, I don't think I go as deep on one thing as long as I should. So part of the value would be going deeper without overkill, without giving them so many things that they feel paralyzed because they don't know what the next step would be. Right. Right. Yeah. Or they feel like they've already got everything they need. Right. Yeah. And, and there's that tipping point, like you say, where you want to give them enough to where if they can't afford or don't have the means to pursue anything further with you, you gave them something they can actually do, but you still want to show that you've got a lot of more to offer. So the time on stage, you can think less about selling and more about really being a great teacher because if they did learn that one thing from you, they applied it and they want it more. They saw for a fact that you're able to teach. I think that that's one thing speakers can speak a lot, but when we can speak and tell and teach them at the same time and people can see the teacher behind the speaker that to me always lasts longer than just seeing a speaker speak for an hour. If I saw them right. really teach, then I know I could go to them for more because they're good at teaching. Do you think yeah. there's a, a, a percentage of speakers and you were the head of CAPSA for a while. So you've seen all kinds of speakers, um, speakers that are more focused on being the speaker that everybody talks about or the speaker that people go to because they learn something. It's almost more okay to have a few warts and bumps and bruises if you're actually teaching than to be a well-polished speaker who doesn't give, you know, the lesson that you're looking for. Yeah, there's there's a big discussion around that actually. Um, so first of all, yes, you know, there's an old adage in the speaking business that says content is king, uh, and I don't believe that. Content is not king. Uh, transformational content is king, in my opinion. So transformational content is where where as a speaker. If I challenge your belief systems, if I shake your paradigms, if I rattle your perspective, that's a potentially transformational piece of content. If I get on the stage and teach you something that you can find in a Google search or in the back of a business textbook, that's not transformational content. So there are basically three different levels of speakers that I see. Um, and one of those is I call, you know, just the speaker, which is like you said, the person who gets up and orates and doesn't really provide any real value. Uh, and then there's the, the educational speaker. This is the one uh, that will educate, but everything that they teach or most of what they teach, you can find in business 101 or on the internet or, or whatever. So they're just transferring information. But then there's the other speakers, and these are the ones that we work with, the ones that we train and coach all over the world. Is These are transformational speakers. And these are people who get in front of the audience and shake the audience's belief systems. They change the way the audience perceives their perspective, helps them get a new line of sight on their condition, and the audience walks away going, okay, I got to change something. And that's the speaker that, that uh, monetizes. That's the speaker that can get booked over and over again. That's the speaker that can sell training programs, coaching programs, consulting programs, online programs, almost nonstop. And, and, and so that's, I call that the deep thought strategy. And what we do with that is we help, you know, speakers, coaches, anybody who, who monetizes through the spoken word, they can turn 
any speaking opportunity into payday if they know this strategy, this method of shaking the belief systems of the audience. And then that's the first part of it. And then the other part of it, of course, is positioning. Speakers need to know how to position themselves as the only logical solution. So after I rattle your beliefs a little bit, then I put myself in a position where I say, if you, now your beliefs have been rattled, your, you know, your, your viewpoint has been shaken, come and see me and we'll help you get on the same, on the right path. And, and we position ourselves as the only logical choice. And there's a whole science behind how all of that works. And I'd imagine there's, there's lesser of those kinds of speakers than the typical speaker because a lot of speakers feed off of adulation and, and being liked, you know, likability. But the speaker you're talking about, the transformational, there's going to be some people that push back. And if, if they're not, then you know you're not one of those speakers, I'd imagine, right? Because if you're going to be polarizing to a degree, um, like I think about comedians, George Carlin to me was the kind of speaker you're talking about. He, he rattled my tree. I was in college and he talked about the environment. I don't know if you remember this special back in the 80s, but he, he just talked about how we think we're going to save the planet. We are going to save the planet. The pl planet can shake us off like a bad case of fleas. Like, yeah. And after five minutes, I'm like, you know what? I'm not recycling anymore. This is ridiculous. Why am I recycling? Like, he, he transformed everything I thought about the environment in five minutes because, A, like you say, he challenged my belief system, but B, he wasn't afraid to get pushed back. He, you could hear in the audience, people were like, Ooh, but he convinced them his argument was so strong. So yeah. So I see that in both worlds, speaking and comedy, and it's it's you have to know who you are to be able to pull that off. That's not something you can just like, uh, you know, pretend to do. You have to really have those deep beliefs. Hundred percent, yeah. And and you know, there's there are so many speakers um, nowadays, and and the speaking, the professional speaking landscape has changed over the last I don't know, ten years maybe, where um, entrepreneurs, coaches, speakers, trainers, authors, consultants, you know, us. We're starting to see some opportunity there on the platform that we didn't see before. And a lot of people used to think, you know, a professional speaker means you go, you get on a stage, you speak, you get your fee, and you go to the next one. And, and, and there are speakers who do that. And, and that is still a viable um, business, but it's becoming less and less so. Um, and, and it's hard to get the big fees unless you're at celebrity status. So, and this is a game that I stopped playing many years ago. I don't speak for a speaking fee anymore because, frankly, there's no event out there that would pay me a speaker's fee that would even come close to what I can earn through a monetization program. And so, this, that's the, the, the direction I've chosen, the monetization program. Now, in order to monetize, what you're saying oftentimes is, is what makes the difference. It's that you know, you don't have to get in their face and be belligerent and, and you know, and, and rude, but you need to stand for something. And, and you need to stand for something that makes the audience kind of go, you know, I've never heard it like that before. And, and that's what George Carlin did to, to you. He, I never heard it like that before. And that's when you shake their belief system. It's amazing that you remember that. And there's proof of concept. You know, George Carlin came out, he gave you a new perspective on the condition and you went, wow, I'd never heard that before. That's what we have to do if we want to monetize effectively, consistently, massively, and long-term from the platform as speakers. Now, comedians might be different. I mean, I, I think that the concept is the same because, you know, speaker or comedians, I don't think are typically selling from the platform and maybe they are. I don't really know that world. I don't think they are. But what they do want to do is they want to get noticed. They want to get a name. They want their name attached to something. And, and, you know, some speakers want their name attached or some comedians want their name attached to a, to an adverse, uh, you know, outlook, an adverse opinion that polarizes that, that causes dissension and anger and maybe even ruffle some feathers. Um, and so, 
the concept is pretty close. Right. And I, I think too, that phrase, you know, sell them what they want, but give them what they need. And I think Carlin and, and the speakers that you're talking about here are sell them what they want, give them something they didn't know they needed. And mm -hmm. so you're kind of raising that question. You know, if you titled your speech exactly the result, a lot of people wouldn't even go in there because they're like, I don't want to be transformed on this. So you, you bring, you give them what they asked for, but it, within that you're giving them something that they didn't know they needed. And they're like, Oh wow. I, now how do I yeah. learn more about doing this? And that's where the, the transition and the transaction becomes after the this engagement. Right. Yeah. And, and I love what you said because that's part of actually the deep thought strategy and that I came up with. And that is the first thing is to bring their awareness to a problem. They never even knew they had. And that's not easy. That, I mean, that takes, that's the deep thought piece of it, right, is to come up with that. Um, but that's where the whole thing starts, is come up with, you know, help them get present to a, a, a problem they never even knew they had. That's great. And when you work with speakers, I know you, you have a thing you isolate called their expert insights. And so can you give us an example of what that is and how speakers sometimes aren't even aware of what their expert insight is until you help dig into it with them? Yeah. So expert insights is a, it's a body of wisdom that comes from within you that only you can claim ownership of. And so it's this piece of wisdom that comes from your experience and it comes from your education. It comes from your wisdom, your creativity, everything about you. And you take this piece of wisdom and it, this piece of wisdom becomes your perspective. It's your package of wisdom. And you, you, Use your own words to define it, your own words to describe it, your own words to sell it. And it's this whole package. And people go, wow, that I've not, I have not seen that before. And then people will even say, I don't even understand what it is, but I know I need it. Hmm. And so this is what we do now is we help, um, you know, not just speakers, um, but entrepreneurs of all different types. We help them find that piece of wisdom or knowledge called their expert insights. And it's the deep thought strategy method that reveals that ex those expert insights. And in 100% of the cases that we've, um, you know, clients we've worked with all over the world over the last five years with this method, in 100% of the cases, those that came to me and said, I know what my expert insights are, uh, they had no clue, absolutely no clue, because they're so hidden, they're so deep down, and there's a very specific process to digging them and uncovering and revealing them. But once you get it, once you have your expert insights package, this is what people attach your name to. And now everything you do can be based on that. And it, it totally makes you appear to be completely different from everybody else who does what you do. Yeah. And so it's kind of what drives us in the first place, but it might be so deep down, like seven questions down onto why we're doing things. That is our insight. And we just got to dig deep so we can reveal that. That's interesting. And, and you said something there too that reminded me of something that was in one of your videos you have on your website. It's about when people are trying to sell a product or their speech, they, they always get caught up in the differentiation of it mm -hmm. and trying to, and you have a, a, something you said that I thought was really interesting is you don't have to be different. You just need to appear to be different. Right. And so for somebody that's hearing that, they're like, what does that even mean? How would you break that down a little bit further for us? Well, I'll give you an example, and, and this, um, this is a very high-level example. So this is something I do uh, all the time. I've done this all over the world with all kinds of audiences. So I'll come out in the audience on the stage, and, and I'll ask the audience this question. I'll say, put up your hand if you know somebody who's in the market for a tennis instructor. 
And I think, you know, in, in <laughs> all over the globe, we've been, I think maybe on two occasions, one hand has gone up. You know? <laughs> there's nobody sitting there thinking, I need a tennis instructor, at least not at that moment. So if there's, let's say, you know, 50 people in there or 100 people in the audience, I will say, I'm, I'm going to say that at least 50 of you, and I usually go at 50% of the audience, I say, you, at least 50 of you are either in the market for a tennis instructor right now, or you know somebody who is. And then I tell him about this guy named Brian. True story about this guy named Brian came to me about 10 years ago. And Brian said, you know, Steve, I'm going to all the networking events. I'm going all to, to all the, the meetings and, and I'm shaking all the hands. I'm getting all the business cards and I'm making all the follow-up calls. And he said, I'm just not getting the business I need. And I said, well, Brian, what do you do? He said, I'm a tennis instructor. And so we see the problem. So what we did was we worked with Brian. And we taught him how to position himself completely differently. Now, this is not an example of expert insights that I'm going to share with you. This is, we did this in just a couple of minutes. But Brian now, you know, if you ask Brian, uh, what do you do? He would say something like this. He would say, well, you know how sometimes kids have so much energy, they're bouncing off the walls and the parents get so frustrated because they have no idea what to do with them. He'd say, well, what I do is I take kids of any age, I bring them on a tennis court, I absolutely exhaust them, and then I hand them back to their parents. <laughs> and then, of course, the audience chuckles, and then I ask the audience, now, let me ask you this question. Put up your hand if you know somebody who might be in the market for a tennis instructor. And in every single case, without failure, 100% of the time, about 90% of the room puts up their hands. So I play it up. You know, I do a little shtick. Okay, if your hand is up, keep it up. And I said 50, right? Okay, let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, nine. And then I count. And once I pass 50, then the point is made. But the point of that is that appearing to be different is what matters because Brian's a tennis instructor. If you take a thousand tennis instructors and line them up against the wall, we all think we know what they do. They all look the same to us. And Brian is actually the same as any one of those. He'll teach you. He'll teach me. So he's not different as a tennis instructor, but he appears to be different by changing the language that he uses. So that is like page one of uh, you know a 500-page Deep Thought Strategy manual. The concept is you don't actually have to be different than your competition, but you do have to appear to be different from your competition. And there's so many ways that you can do that. And where people, I think, really struggle, you know, Rick, is, is they, they're always looking for the, the new earth-shattering, jaw-dropping, life-altering uh, thing that they can come up with and say, here's this new thing um, to differentiate themselves. You don't need a new thing. You need a new appearance. And, and where so many people struggle with differentiators is, the, is they always use these things. They say, I ask people all the time, what makes you different? And these are the answers that always come up. Answers like, well, I've been in the business for longer. That one always comes up. That's one. I have a very unique solution. I've got my four pillars to this or my five secrets to that or my five milestones or six whatever strategies, whatever. And then the other one is, well, I give superior service, right? I, my clients are so important to me. And those things are good. Those are important things, but they are not differentiators because everybody says them. Mm -hmm. So how you appear to be different is not about what you say when somebody asks you what you do. How you appear to be different is how you position yourself in the mind of your marketplace. And you position yourself in the mind of your marketplace by presenting them something that rattles their belief systems, shakes their paradigms, alters their perspective. That's how you do it. That's great. And, and those three responses that you commonly get, none of them were focused on the outcomes for the audience. They were all on what I do and how I approach it. So people, 
you know, it's kind of like speaker 101, we should provide value and solve a problem, but we rarely pitch ourselves with, with the problem being solved and how it happened and that we just happen to be the person to deliver that. It's right. always, we start with us just because we're so focused on being ourselves. Yeah, you so, got it. That's great. Well, you also have a book about uh, turning people who are trying to get into to speaking, you know, from stage fright to spotlight. And I can already tell, I mean, you've been around speakers forever, been the head of the speakers organization for a while. So you've seen all the, all the mistakes and all the, the things done right. So what I'd love to do is get a couple of things that a new speaker could be thinking about. And then maybe a couple of tips for a speaker who's been doing it for a while, but they haven't reached the level they've wanted to because they've maybe been doing this one or two things wrong that you can help them with. So a, yeah. a, a newbie tip and a pro tip. Okay, sure. So the, the book, um, that was my first book back in 2011, and we revived it and republished it, and uh, it's done very well. And there's 99 speaker secrets in there. I call it 99 speaker secrets to breaking the rules and mastering the stage. Uh, and then there's 10 bonus tips in there. So there's actually 109. <laughs> but uh, some of the, I mean, there are some, some very common sense ones that everybody will tell you, you know, be prepared, read your notes, all that, they're all in there. But there's a, there's a couple. Here is, here is one that applies to everybody, all right? And, uh, and, th and this is it. Understand that 99 times out of 100, speaking is not about transferring information. Speaking is about transferring emotion. See, my job at a, as a speaker is to get you to feel about my message the way I feel about my message. Now, yes, I'm going to use information to do that. But my function is, as a speaker is not to educate you almost all the time. My function as a speaker is to take my information and, and use it as a catalyst for excitement within you so that you feel about my message the way I feel about my message. And that now is where I change your perspective. And so many speakers think, you know, I've got all of this great content. I got 86 PowerPoint slides. I got graphs. I got pictures. I got charts. I got videos. And they push this out onto the audience. And it's almost like hitting the audience with a blunt instrument. And the audience gets more information, more information, more information. And, and, one, and then the speakers wonder why they're not monetizing. Why are they not able to raise their fees? Why are they not getting rebooked? You know, why, why, why? And then, and then there'll be speakers that will come out and, and they may not have the most profound, earth-shattering, jaw-dropping, life-changing information. But when you walk out the back of the door, you know, at the back of the, at the, after the thing, you're going, wow, man, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling really excited or I'm feeling really empowered or I'm feeling really uh, depressed or I'm feeling really angry or I'm feeling something. So if I can get you to feel about my message the way I feel about my message, that's empowering. And that's why George Carlin stopped you from recycling because yeah. he changed the way you felt. You went, God darn it, he's freaking right. Why am I even doing this? And that's a feeling. That's not logic. That's not information. That's feeling. So that's the first principle for everybody. I'd say understand that speaking is not a transference of information it's a transference of emotion that's number one and here's the next one and I, and, and, and again you know it, it applies for everybody but mostly for the the more aspiring newer level speakers so many speakers and and some um, old pros still fall into this trap some do most don't some do but almost all aspiring speakers fall into this trap where they are using their PowerPoint slides as a tool to keep themselves on track and, and I never, ever, ever do that. I haven't done that ever, um, but so many do. So here's the principle that I share. And I don't even know if this is in the book or not, <laughs> but the principle is this. You need to go through your content until your content comes through you. 
That means you need to know your stuff so well that you can speak about it anytime, anywhere, under any circumstances, in any period of time, without any thought. And it's not about memorizing, you know, Rick, this is about internalizing and sharing. This is about knowing your content so well that it's part of who you are, not part of what you do. So you need to go through your content until your content comes through you. Well, I like both of those. That second one's really great. And you know, of all the challenging times that we have right now with not being able to go out and speak, it's a huge opportunity to bring in our keynotes, put them up on the lift like it's Jiffy Lube and go in there and fix all these things. You know, if, if you feel like you're too, you know, committed to looking at slides to keep your place or to remember what your speech is about, well, this is a good time to, to get it internalized. Like you're saying, 100%. really, it's a huge opportunity for everybody to hit reset and take advantage of. Um, I want to go back to one thing you said in the first tip about making people leave with a feeling. Do you think speakers can achieve that speaking on stage without exhibiting feeling in their speech? Because I know when I watched George Carlin, not only did he give me the, the facts and his opinions, but he was, he was strongly delivering it. He believed in it. Would it be almost impossible for a speaker to be just casually mentioning things on stage and rattle your cages? They're going to have to perform and I guess not perform to a degree, but um, exhibit their belief emotionally without being a button pusher or, or manipulating? Right. Um, so here's the thing. People express their emotions differently. So George Carlin is a very dynamic, expressive guy. So if he's going to reach beyond your intellect and into your imagination and rattle your cage a little bit, he's going to do it with that verbose personality that he has. But not everybody needs that verbose personality in order to reach you at a visceral level. And there are three that come to mind. Uh, Wayne Dyer was one. Wayne Dyer was able to trigger emotions from, from the platform, and he was almost always at a fairly benign state. But it wasn't about energy and being big and loud, and it wasn't about that. It was that what, however he expressed his feelings, the feelings got expressed. Um, and so even though he wasn't big and loud and artistic and theatrical, he was able to get you very excited about his message in a very calm way. So he's one. Um, Eckhart Tolle is another. I don't know if you've ever heard him speak, but there is no energy in that man's voice. I mean, he is like uh, right. flatlined, right? But you can listen to him and get very excited about the content because even though his voice is flatlined, his being isn't. His being transfers that belief. He's so fervent in his belief and he's so wise in his belief. And so that emotion comes across without the verbose. And then there's this other lady um, and her name is Immaculate Illabagiza. Mm. Now I know that's a big name, Immaculate Illabagiza. And now Immaculate is a survivor of the Rwandan genocide. And, and she went through absolutely horrifying uh, things where uh, she was trapped in a bathroom. It was hidden behind a wall. She was trapped in a bathroom for like 90 days with 16 other women or something. I mean, standing, you know, tight together, crammed in there like sardines for, for a long, 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 long time. 
And when I saw her speak, she stood at the edge of the stage. She did not move. She had this magnificent presence. There was absolutely no anger in her voice. Her voice was pure love from, from, from start to finish. There was no theatrics. There was nothing in there that was artistic. It was just pure love. And you could feel that from her. So I think for a lot of speakers, you know, I think a lot of us need to rely on some artistry and a little bit of theater and that's okay. That's good. But you don't have to, if you've got this natural being that is soothing or this natural being, and it doesn't even have to be soothing there. I know, I know another speaker, I don't remember his name, but I remember watching this one speaker who was very, very, very angry. Uh, but he was not loud. And he was not in your face and he was not verbose, uh, but I could feel he was, he was, you know, stating a case and he was very angry. Whereas another speaker, uh, George Takei, you know, he played the Sulu on Star Trek. Yeah. So I watched him speak and, and he was talking about his experience um, as a Japanese American through, through the war. Um, and, and he was pure anger, uh, but he was very upfront and verbose about it. He transferred the emotion all right, um, but he, he did it in a way that people did not receive it well. And people felt uh, this guy was just there to scream at us, really, you know, at, during the time that I saw him. So people can transmit emotions all different ways. And I think the most important part of this, Rick, is that you need to express your authentic feeling at the time, whatever it is and however you express it. I think that's right. And you have to, for, for like George, who was angry the whole time, if, if he didn't address that up front, why, you know, obviously he's got reasons to be angry, but the audience is still trying to figure out why is he still angry now? He's probably told the speech a hundred times and he's still angry. Has he not worked through these things? You know, I guess the emotion is there when we need it, but we don't want it to get in the way of the message. And that's right. when we have to dial it back. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I feel like uh, <laughs> taking advantage of your time. I'm so happy that you got on today and that we know that this event is happening on Thursday. I can push this out on Wednesday. I'll just rearrange a couple of podcasts they had before because I think anybody, I'm sure, that listened to 10 seconds of this will realize the value they're going to get from the event on Thursday. Can you tell us one more time about how they go about that, getting on there, and I'll make sure I get the links in the show notes and and then let you go from there. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I, I appreciate that, Rick. I think that's that's very nice of you, very generous of you, and and it's a really good way to serve your um, serve your your peeps. So you know, well done. So um, yeah, the event is called uh, the WEN Global Virtual Experience. WEN stands for Wealthy Entrepreneurs Network. So it's the WEN Global Virtual Experience. It's on Thursday, April sixteenth. Starts at nine a.m. Goes to four p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and to get there, go to www.thelowells, L-O-W-E-L-L-S, thelowells.global, not .com, thelowells.global. And there's a, a website there. And the, the event has been filled up so quickly in terms of speakers. I haven't even had time to... to um, to put all the speakers on, on the on the website yet. But, you know, Brian Tracy's there and a couple of the others. And there's a button right there, right above the fold that says, you know, hey, if you're a guest of a WEN Global member, click here. And so you click there. And typically you need to be personally invited by one of our members. Uh, and we check that. We check everybody who's registered. We check the name that's in there. Are they a WEN Global member? And if they're not, then we we don't allow the person to attend if they've already attended an event, but we invite everybody to attend one Wang Global event as a non-member. And so go to that website, www.thelowells.global, click on that 
uh, that button to be a, a guest and put my name in. So my name is Steve Lowell, uh, or put the Lowells. Uh, either way is fine, and I'll know uh, I'll know who you are. I mean, if you put that in, I'll know you're coming uh, through. You know, Rick's crowd. So um, we'd love to have you join us, uh, and it's going to be an, an amazing day. That's great. Well, thanks for that offer. It's very generous of you as well. Um, all those links will be in the show notes as well. And if you want to pick up one of Steve's books, you know, his website is Steve Lowell with two L's.com. But uh, by all means, try to get into that Thursday big virtual event. That's going to be great. I'll, I'll be in there for a little bit. I've got a few things already planned, but uh, those are in the afternoon. I'm going to jump in early and, and check it out. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, Rick, we're, it's going to be on Zoom. So you can pop in, pop out, pop in, pop oh, perfect. out. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll be, I'll be watching and gleaning some more uh, from, the, from the knowledge out there. So Steve, it's been great. Uh, thanks for your time, your generosity, and good luck with the event Thursday. And hopefully before the fall hits, we're all back where we want to be uh, in front of audiences and communicating to a, a bigger group than just one-on-one. Well, thanks all so right. much for the opportunity, Rick. One of these days, I'm uh, you know, looking forward to coming down and shaking your hand and saying hello. And uh, I appreciate this very much. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Steve. Hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative interview with Steve Lowell. If you didn't learn something there, you weren't paying attention. I wrote down several notes as I listened to it the first time, as I interviewed him, and then as I listened back to proof the edit, I copied, copied down a couple more things. I mean, geez, Luis, that guy brought it, didn't he? And he mentioned that Wealthy Entrepreneurs Network virtual experience on Thursday, April 16th. I'm going to be poking my head in there throughout the day. Um, you get a free ticket to that if you've never attended one of those events before. Uh, I don't get a kickback from telling you about this event. He's not throwing me uh, anything for doing it. I just think it's an extremely great opportunity to hear some speakers who are excellent speak. You might also learn some of the big things that they're going to cover, which includes making money with your expertise online and off, how to take advantage of real estate opportunities even in downtimes, how to operate your business according to your highest values, how to manage money during this 19 lockdown, and how to get booked on TV and podcasts all around the world. If you only listen for the booked on TV and podcast, that's great. But on top of all that, Brian Tracy is going to speak. If you've never heard Brian Tracy speak, you've never ate a frog, like I said earlier, and you'll know what that means if you Google search him a little bit. So make sure you take advantage of that. The website, again, was www.thelowells.com. Global. That's how you save your seat. There'll be a part in the uh, ticket thing when you go through the checkout to put who told you about this event. You can put in the Lowell's or Steve Lowell, and that will get you free admission. So hopefully you take advantage of that. I'm going to be in there Thursday throughout, so very cool. Coming up very soon, very soon, we're going to have the Master Laughter class online. I'm down to editing the last handful of videos to get that ready, but I can tell you right now it's got over 40 lessons for speakers, preachers, trainers, and teachers, anybody that wants to take their content and make it funnier, this is thorough. This is a master class for a reason. It's targeted towards those content creators and those speakers. You're going to love it. If you speak and you want to punch it up, this is step-by-step -step strategic places in your keynotes and strategic structures from the world of comedy to punch things up. I'm excited. Can't wait to get that out there. Should be done by the next episode. So stay tuned for that. All right, that's going to do it for me this time around. Thank you guys for listening. we got a great, uh, fun podcast next time around with Mary Ellen Hooper. She'll be the next one up. If you've never seen Mary Ellen, go ahead and start checking out some YouTube videos now. Funny gal. She'll be our next podcast.
podcast guest. Stay safe, stay funny, keep your hands clean and your fingers out of your nose. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.